Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today after the 1-0 win against Luton on the weekend to discuss all things Fulham, the result in the Premier League that sees Fulham sit comfortably in the top half of the table. We're also going to discuss uh, the Fulham women's result on the weekend, look at some of your top tweets and look at how we're going with our predictions in the uh, Premier League fantasy this season. So, without further ado, Sammy, how are we going tonight? I'm fragile. I'm fragile. I'm happy. Um, it's yeah. It's been it's been a good weekend. It's been a good weekend. It's been a fun weekend. Um, here I'm ready to rock. Let's let's see what happens. Fragile. Fragile's good. Let's uh, let's build you back up again, Sammy. And yeah. Dad, how are we going? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Well, That's let's it. hop straight into it. Thank you for keeping that nice and concise for us, and not going into your your health. Um, but. The uh, result on the weekend, a 1-0 win against Luton. Uh, we talked about this one before the game started and sort of said, you know, these are the really tricky little fixtures where you should be winning it every single time, but you just go into a game like this going, oh, th- this could really be the, the proverbial banana peel early in the season that just sees you slip up. And um, look, it, it, I, I think personally it was a pretty tough game. It was an ugly game. Um, it felt like a lower end of the championship style game where it's very attritional. Um, and, you know, we saw Fulham hold possession for pretty much the whole game. Luton put almost everyone behind the ball. And um, we managed to eventually break them down and get the win. Um, Dad, your thoughts on the game uh, itself and, and how Fulham went about it? Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't know that it was ugly, but it, it wasn't... Um... It wasn't our highest. It wasn't our highest moment, was it? Um, we we had so much possession, and yet it was so congested. And um, we were talking about this today, uh, just offline. It was um, just a kind of a frustrating afternoon. But you know what? I'm I'm pretty happy if we pick up five, six, seven, or eight of these during the course of the year. I, I don't. I've got a lower expectation about being entertained. I just want to win and pick up 20 points from these sort of ground out games. That'll do me. Yeah, for me, it kind of felt like um, uh, watching an average first team versus a really spirited year nines team. Um, because I thought, I thought like um, Luton did some pretty strong counterattacking. Um, but yeah, we just kind of shut down everything i feel that like they didn't really get fully challenged i mean made some really good runs um but yeah that is, is scrappy um great to see jow just being jow and being totally unaffected by everything just being super professional and just hurting Luton players for fun um but yeah just yeah, just uh, if, if it was a pretty grueling afternoon, I would say. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, I think I said it to Dad. Might might have been the next day. It it sort of almost felt like we were like Man City from Wish, holding eighty percent <laughs> possession for the whole game. But you know, Man City can just find gaps, and and when they do that, they score four or five goals, and we just were lacking that final cutting edge we gifted mm. them a few chances like I, I mean genuinely i think we were fortunate not to concede a couple of goals in this game 
Totally. Um, and I, I can totally see Luton picking up points through the season. I, I don't think they're going to pick up many points this season, but I can see how they're going to get results throughout the year where they just sit back and, and effectively park the bus um, and, and try and hit us on the break. And, you know, they did pretty well. They put a couple of good balls in the box. They hit the post early on. Um, there was that header into basically an open goal that was put straight at Leno. But, again, that shows the difference in standard where I'd say if Fulham had those opportunities, we'd probably put them away on the counter-attack. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Fulham do that pretty well over the last couple of seasons. Um, and Luton just just missed that cutting edge. And I think that's going to be the difference for them this season is when they get an opportunity, they have to take it. And it's quite interesting, Dad. You said it wasn't, um, you know, a, an attacking masterclass and, and overly exciting to watch. But I think last season when we were back in the Premier League and you kind of hope for exciting games because you don't really know what the future holds and, and you're hoping that, we go out there and attack and try and get results and play that that sort of brand of football. And, and maybe it's changed a little bit this season where you kind of don't mind games like this where you have to really nut out a tough 1-0 victory. And even though it's not pretty, these are points you know that you need to pick up um, because really the, the goalposts have changed a little bit. Last season it was, let's enjoy our season back in the Premier League and see what happens. This season it's, no, we have to beat Luton both home and away because these are must-win games for us if we want to reach that sort of 10th position and, and comfortable mid-table mediocrity, if you will. But um, it really, it's it's solidity and a bit of, um, you know, knowing that we're a good enough team to be in the Premier League. And so it, it's actually just about results and not about the way you play quite as much anymore. I th- look, I think it's also, for me, it's, uh, well, not just personally for me, but I think for all, all of us as a community, it's it's a practical realisation that as as congested, as difficult as it, as it was to get through where they had so many men behind the ball, someone like Mitro would probably um, be quite clinical uh, given a couple of half chances. Yeah, sure. Um, but he would. And you, you'd actually back him in a game like that to score a couple, one or two. And, yeah. you know, I'm not lamenting Mitro, so I'll take my coin back out of the jar. But I'm just saying that it is a realisation that I think we we will get back to finding ways to regularly score goals. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Jimenez a little bit later. But But... It it's yeah I I think um, um, I'm as I said before I'm I'm less about the entertainment um, more about the points acquisition early on in the season after a fairly bruising first few few rounds. I'm a little bit about the entertainment. I mean, I I, I like a storyline. Um, uh, I, I do, I do. I mean, I pr- I predicted um one nil just because I I I see us at the moment in a real rebuilding kind of moment. I mean, uh, even even after directly after everything that happened with Jao, I still saw this as a rebuilding game, a game to establish some more confidence and a game to just figure out what what kind of football we're going to be playing now because yeah um he who shall not be named isn't around anymore so we do have a lot of flexibility and what we can actually be now and we are on a very 
um, one way street. Um, uh, I like him in those. I like Eminem, but um, I I didn't necessarily see him scoring in this game, and that kind of proved right. And yeah, I I'm sure I'm, I'm sure saying I'm to Jack later. I was saying to Jack, I, I I want the number of his psychologist. The man's got a lot of positive energy. He can't score a goal for love or money, I and feel he really doesn't bad for look. Me. I he doesn't look underconfident. He just keeps keeps going at it and he's, he's like he's doing yeah. how many how many overhead kicks can you do before christmas honestly you know? he's, well, okay i was literally thinking about this when i was watching the game i was like he is going to get um that bicycle kick at some point in the season <laughs> he's going to get that bicycle kick and it's going to be on match of the god day and then and yeah and it's going to be like mm, god bless him how great is this not. and then the casual viewer would be like wow him and they score an amazing goal and i'll be like i have been watching him attempt that for like the past 17 weeks now and like it's so it's it's going when it happens it is going to take a bit of the sauce off of it for me the excitement is going to wear off um but yeah well, I, his belief his, his belief is impressive i i, you know, I really like belief. i really like how him genuinely seems to be a player that knows how exactly what they need to do. I kind of feel this way when I play indoor now because I've gotten fat. So, like, but in my brain, I go, I know exactly what I should be doing, but I can't do it anymore because I'm fat. <laughs> um, uh, and like, I feel that Jimenez is doing everything he needs to do, but yet he just can't actualize it. And I don't, I don't, I feel really bad for him because I don't know what needs to. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's a well, look, I think, I think as a striker, there's there's a few factors. I think, uh, firstly, the confidence. He, there's no doubting he's got confidence at the moment. He's, mm. It's not like he's gun-shy and he's pulling his shots. It's not like he is, you know, shying away from the ball. He's, he's getting himself around and trying to get into the right positions. He's getting shots off. Um, he's trying things as well. I think, if anything, he's probably overconfident. The amount of times the ball came into feet and you want him to just hold it up and he tries a little Cruyff turn or tries, you know, to backheel it to um, someone making a run. And, and he's almost trying to be a little bit too tricky and too intricate. And yeah. it is like he's looking for goal of the season rather than just putting the ball at the back of the net sometimes. Mm. Um, uh, so I, I think there's no issues with his confidence. He's obviously a skillful player as well. So I don't think there's any issues there. I think at the moment he's actually just missing a bit of luck. Um, yeah. You look at that Arsenal game where he hit that overhead kick and it's it's just dropped wide a couple of times. The ball doesn't quite fall for him. Um, and, you know, he gets subbed off moments later. The ball gets put into the box. And I, I guarantee Jimenez would have been where Vinicius was as well and probably would have put that ball away. Uh, we're just lucky that someone put it away. And, and fortunately for Vinny, he had just come off the bench and was in the right place at the right time. But um, uh, I don't think, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think, um, we need to worry too much about Jimenez. Uh, I think once that first goal comes, it will be a, a bit of a watershed moment for him. Um, and I, I think Silva, it kind of looks like he's quite happy to just rotate his strikers as well. I think realistically, Vinny should be starting the next game based off the fact that he's come off the bench and scored and looked pretty good when he came off the bench as well. So I think that gets him the next start. And I don't think Silva will be too worried about that because I think he knows that Jimenez will be breathing down Vinny's neck. And maybe that's part in part because we don't have a, 
a standout star striker who nails down that spot and everyone's chasing him, maybe it's actually good that we have two or three strikers who are all fighting for that one spot and you can actually be a little bit ruthless with them and go, you haven't scored in a couple of games and we've got guys breathing down your neck wanting it who are just as good as you. Um, and an interesting little stat that um, Cottage Analytica tweeted literally 30 minutes ago, so I don't have it in our tweets for later, but um, since the start of last season, Alexander Mitrovic achieved 0.44 non-penalty goals per Premier League game for Fulham. Carlos Vinicius currently averages 0.47 non-penalty goals per Premier League game for Fulham. So mm. since the start of last season, Vinny and Mitro are scoring at the same rate uh, in mm. terms of the, the number of games that they've played. Like maybe we need to start taking Vinny a little bit more seriously and, and realize that if we give him a run in the first team, he's actually a really good option as a, as a starting striker for us. Oh man, I'm hardcore behind Vinny. Vinny's my boy now. Like he, I, the redemption arc, everything about him. I love, I love his entire narrative of just like coming in as this kind of random, happy-go-lucky Brazilian, and then genuinely, in my opinion, giving like um, the other guy a proper run for his money in terms of like who do I actually want to start. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember at the start of last season, we completely wrote off Vinicius, and to see where he is now, it's just really, really lovely. It's like I, just, I just love the guy. I think he's hilarious, and like, I, genuinely, from everything that I've seen, I think the guys in the team really, really love him, and I think that does yeah. account for a lot. Apart from Jaapolinia, because he's always teasing Jaapolinia, and even that I find hilarious. Ja loves him though as well. Yeah, no, I think he does. Look at, uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- there's nothing better than Vinicius, confident, really pumped, and going for it and working hard. I mean, he, it's exactly what you want to see. He, he's, his whole body language just changes completely, and he looks the part, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, you, you you'd want to believe that if if Jimenez found his form, he's he's got to be a more effective striker. Yeah, back in so. form. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just think uh, to your point, Jack, when you were talking about, oh, he's just not lucky. It it is one of those things that when when you're in form, you tend to turn up in the right places because you're just mm-hmm. reading the game really well. And it's not, it's, it, it looks like luck, but it actually isn't. It's about form. There's a bunch of things clicking and maybe your acceleration with just the way your mind is, the, the clarity of your mind and <clears throat> your commitment to just make the runs and end up in the right spots. Um, I'm a big, well, all, I, I mean, I, all, I say that, comes but you, together. you look at Vinny's goal on the weekend, it's, it's unlucky that Jimenez has been subbed off like a minute before that happened. Because, like well, I say, he would have been in that position to finish that goal and and get his and, first full and that's, goal. And and that's what I'm questioning because maybe maybe and and, and I, everyone knows that Jimenez is good enough to turn up and poach just like Vinny did, but maybe maybe you know his form just hasn't actually arrived yet, and the reason why. Vinny did turn up is because he's so desperate to impress and 
you know, he he he's on his game at the moment. He he wants to prove yeah. that he's the guy. I um I I remember some, um a, a quote from Rob Grant, um uh, a, f- a family friend. Uh, he's told me that uh, luck always comes around. You just have to be prepared. Um, uh, the main note of that is uh, luck doesn't exist, but preparation and then the right moment happening does. Um, and I feel that Vinicius is so deeply established in the team dynamic now that I feel that he does just know his way around like the park and his way around all the other guys just that fraction more than um, Raul right now. But I'm confident that Jimenez will get there and he will get to that point. And I I do believe that we'll see, um, yeah, Jimenez take over um, and be probably a uh, top striker, assuming we don't find anybody else. I think, it's, I think it's just a time thing. But it's just annoying that it's a time thing because I would rather, I'd rather have um, him take that time when we also have a, somebody just slightly above him, if that makes sense. One, one, once again, though, I, I, I do trust that Silva will manage that situation well because I think... I know there's been some talk of a little bit of argy-bargy between Silva and Vinicius. Apparently they've fallen out. Maybe maybe he's, uh, he's been pranking um, Marco over the holidays. I don't know. But Is this your um, speculation? Where did you get this from? I've, I've heard it. I've uh, heard it around. Have, have you heard that, Jack? Not really. You're on mute, Jack. <laughs> no, no, I have heard. I have heard that uh, Vinny's somewhat fallen out of favour. Uh, could be a rumour. I, I think but, it, yeah. it's it's an it's an interesting one because Muniz was bought in by Silva and and rated quite highly by Silva. Um, mm. Vinny obviously dropped down the order a little bit. You know, there was some rumours about him potentially going off to Turkey, although it turns out those rumours were completely untrue and had no basis of fact. Um, so it, it's potential that. Vinny was uh, a bit upset by the whole situation and maybe it comes down to there was potentially another striker who we maybe bought in that wasn't reported um, and Vinny was the person who was going to make way for him because obviously Muniz is a lot younger so you can have him sitting around the squad for a lot longer and, and maybe look at him as a longer term option. So look, I, I, I'm not sure but I, I'm glad Vinny's getting another running the first team. I'm glad he scored that goal. I don't think I've seen a Fulham player who loves scoring a goal more than Vinny does. Yeah, it's awesome. His head almost blows off every time he scores a goal, and I absolutely love it because that's the kind of dedication that you want from a striker, and that's what you want to see from your striker as well, someone who just loves putting the ball in the net, and he really does love it. And so it's it's good to see, um, and the, I'm loving the it. Excitement, the excitement around the team when he scores, they just love celebrating with him, and that's yeah. what you want. It's it's very he's, infectious. He's a big character around the change room. You can see that from Instagram and all of TikTok and wherever else you see those guys posting stories. They they do love having him around the change room. And there's a big Samba Whites kind of group <laughs> of them who who really do lead all the sort of fun things that happen in the change room. And um, Vinny seems to be the centre of it all the time, which I, I just love. I think. There, though that group of guys really holds the change room together sometimes, and oh, does it ever. seeing Vinny doing well off the back of that is is couldn't be any better. Um, 
Quick look at the stats. Obviously, as it's been reported quite a lot, Fulham had 78% possession. Uh, it's the highest amount of possession Fulham have had in a Premier League game since, uh, re- well, I say records began, since it it was um, captured. So I think it's like the 2002 or the 2003 season. Um, 13 shots for Fulham to seven for Luton. Both teams with just the two on target. Fulham with 809 passes to Luton's 222. Um, in terms of completed passes, I did see that um, Diop and Ream both made more passes individually than Luton made as an entire team on the day. Yeah, um, that's pretty nuts. And admittedly, a lot of those are back and forth between each other, but it just shows the level of dominance when you have a couple of players making more passes by themselves than the entire team did for Luton. And it shows the sort of style that they play in there. Um, Fulham with six corners to Luton's two and um, Fulham with six fouls, Luton with 14 fouls. I thought they were. The referee maybe, I don't think he was favouring Fulham, but we definitely were getting the rub of the green with some of those tackles. Admittedly, I'd say 90% of them were actually fouls, but we, we did see the referee blow his whistle a lot. I think Luton probably need to change their style a bit because later in the season, that's going to see a lot of red cards come come flying their way because the, the, it was pretty poor discipline and you could see the frustration as well from Luton and from the fans and uh, it looked like it was going to bubble over a couple of times. So I'm kind of glad that it didn't because I think it would have ruined the game completely. I'm sure we'll probably go into it like more individually, but like I, I, I think obviously Japanese had like an amazing game. Diop and Ream though, I thought they had so- particularly, I mean, like Diop had a great game, but it was just really nice to see like, Tim Ream confident and established again and just a real like force that I remember because he's had like a couple like his most recent couple of games it's been a little bit shaky and it was just nice to see Ream back to Reamisms for lack of a better word I think as well on top of that they there was a lot of weight on those two to actually be the creative outlet for the side because mm. Luton was sitting so deep and, and basically just packing the middle of the park we couldn't get the ball to Pereira. I, I barely remember Pereira touching the ball, to be perfectly honest, for most of the game. Um, uh, when when the ball got out wide, we were missing Robinson, who I think his pace on the overlap would have made quite a big difference. And yeah. even then, we when we did see Tete and Wilson sort of playing together quite well like they do usually, they got closed down because there were just three or four men marking the two of them much at all times. So it actually... It, a lot of responsibility lay at Reem and Diop's feet where they had to be the ones to try and find the gap and try and find a man in space in a very cluttered part of the pitch, which is why they had so many passes back and forth between each other. But I think they did really well in terms of not rushing it and just waiting for the right opportunities and also defensively just making sure that they shut down any moments. But I, I agree with you, Sammy. Polina, I think he was voted Fulham's man of the match by the Fulham official page. Um, I, I think I saw Bernd Leno actually won the Premier League's man of the match, which I was sort of surprised about because he did make a couple of saves, but not that many. Um, but yeah, look, it, it was great to see a, a pretty much a good performance from everyone. I don't think anyone had a really bad game. Um, what I will do, we'll just look at the table very quickly. Um, see Fulham sitting in ninth spot with seven points from five games. Um, pretty well placed at the moment. Uh, above us, 
we have Crystal Palace, who we come up against next weekend. That actually turns into quite a quite a big game for us because we win that, we jump above Crystal Palace into eighth place, um, potentially pushing above Aston Villa as well, depending on their result, um, and definitely solidifying ourselves in that top half. But a really good start to the season, considering we've had to play Man City and Arsenal in the first five games to be sitting in the top half and you know looking forward to potentially picking up 10 points from sixth games is, is a really, really good way to start the season. And I, I think probably outdoes our predictions at the start of the season as to where we would be at this stage. Um, mm. What I want to do, though, is just talk about a couple of players in particular who I, I thought really impressed and is worth talking about as it was um, probably the most we've seen of them so far since they've both signed. Firstly, Timothy Castagna. Um, I thought as someone who's come into the side and based on the fact that last season our backup wingbacks were Mbabu and Kazawa, we haven't really had anyone to fill that role except for Bobby Deckard over Reed, really. To mm. see Timothy Castagni come into the side and look really, really comfortable and not look out of place, that just filled me with confidence going forward this season. Dad, I yeah. think I made the same point to you as well. What were your thoughts on Castagna's um, first proper game for Fulham? I, I agree with you completely. I thought he looked really good. I I think, you know, there, there were a couple of little minor gaffes from my memory. I can't remember exactly what they were, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't um, without blemish. But I thought he was actually uh, really very confident, very very capable. I, I believe it's not his preferred side, but. Um, Sure, Robinson's got more pace, but but I kind of preferred him in defence. Um, <clears throat> I, I I thought he was really good. Very very happy to see him in the side, and I think he'll he'll get better and better and better as he. If you if you think about it, Robinson has played an awful lot with Tim Ream, and mm. has played an, a lot with the wingers, uh, so that 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 unit really do know each other very well for. How fresh he is in this setup! I thought he did really, really well. Yeah, it's it's a nice it's nice also just to see a very like classic um, uh, left back because um, I mean uh, Robinson's a very very modern player. He's very he's very quick. He's very attacking. He's very whatever. Very energizer bunny. Um, and it was just nice to see um, like Castagna come in, be confident, be relaxed, um, be creative, um, very seems to have a very very lovely touch um yeah i mean not like i don't i don't necessarily think he's the most exciting player but really really solid and uh, you know what like i i don't really think we're like the type of team that like desperately needs like um a crazy crazy um whippy wingback situation going on because that's not really how we play um uh so I, I think he complements like a Tete on the other side really, really well. So it'd be interesting to see um, going forward, like how he progresses and uh, really who like Silver Favors sounded very journalism in me just then. Here's a well, mini also, observation. I... Yeah. Huh? What's that? Um, a mini observation, which may or may not be accurate, but it just a sense I got. I, I, I thought he was very smart with his throw-ins. Mm. A, his mind was working really quickly. He he knew exactly what he wanted to execute. 
and he actually did it very quickly. And it's something that I don't think we're that good at. Um, I mean, Kenny Tede, bless his heart, he takes forever to <laughs> work it. I'm, I'm not sure if he's holding up play and just, you know, taking the biscuit a little bit, but it does take a long time to throw the ball in. Um, and I think I think it's becoming, not only is it, is it an area that you, we're clearly being penalised on now uh, for holding up and wasting time, but it's it's a massive advantage that if you can execute that well, it it's a it's a, an immediate advantage on restart, isn't it? Mm. Also, as yeah, well, it's definitely. just nice. To have, it's nice to have players that like you don't necessarily have to rely on uh, pace a lot. I mean, if you think of like a team like Croatia, like they they move glacially slow, and you have players like Luka Modric who move so slowly, but yet they're so intelligent and they move and um, with such foresight and are able to control games with really not a lot of pace now i think that can be like a serious advantage for us because we've got like a lot of energy in like the squad and i think we seriously benefit from players like reem players potentially like castagna who can just um uh, put some mindfulness in willian as well does it very very well and yeah no very positive very positive well, I I don't think Castagna is going to be displacing Robinson anytime soon. I think he no, I don't. If so. anything, well, for, firstly, he's actually not a left back; he's a right back, which makes it even more impressive that he slotted in really comfortably at left back as well. Um, and look, I think as someone now who is going to be well, firstly, if Tete is unavailable, I now feel very comfortable that Castagna can fill in at right back and do a really good job. Um, the mm. one thing that I noticed is. His his runs in behind weren't as good as we see from Robinson. Robinson and Willian, and admittedly, it's because they played together all of last season. But Robinson worked the overlap really well. Castagna, I don't know if you noticed, cut in a lot and yeah. tried to create space out wide for Willian, which isn't really um, what Willian likes. I think Willian likes being at the touchline and then cutting inside and mm. having the option 100%. of someone going around the outside to allow Willian the space to cut inside because Decoy. the defender has to think about yeah. the person going around the out. So I think that didn't work perfectly going forward and, and that mm. obviously will change. And I, I assume Willian will, if he plays with him again, will will know that that is the way that Castagna likes to play or Castagna vice versa might say, okay, Willian wants me around the outside, so I have to go around the outside. And Wilson's the same as well. So it's probably just the fact that Castagna hasn't trained enough with the side and doesn't really know the style of play yet. I, I think that'll come, but uh, in terms of a debut, I, I really liked it. And I really think it's a really smart pickup. And I totally understand as well why Silva said that Castagna was one of his most important buys at the start of the transfer window. He said, this is the one we really wanted to get over the line. And I see it now because he's basically signed a player. Admittedly, it cost us close to 20 million. But he signed someone who can comfortably cover left back and right back for the whole season for us. And it didn't look like we lost any kind of quality or ability where, whereas when we saw Mbabu and Kazawa playing last season, it really felt like you're sort of on tenterhooks and, and worried that they're going to make a mistake and it's going to be the reason you lose a game. It doesn't feel like that's what we're going to have with Castagna. So I think that's a really, really, really good signing for us. I'm really happy with that debut. Uh, the other person to talk about who made his debut Alex Awobi, yeah. um, 
Sam, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Awobi's contribution? It was uh, obviously less than Castagna because Castagna started, but Awobi off the bench. What do we think? Yeah, yeah, short lived. I mean, uh, I I didn't not I feel like not necessarily enough for me to really gauge. Um, energetic, he was definitely getting in there, but um, I didn't see like. Oh, well, no, that's not Drew, actually. Yeah, because he, he had a couple of um, pretty good attempts. I mean, he uh, he tried to get a shot off from memory as well. Like, um, yeah, I feel that he just needs to essentially find his footing a little bit more. I couldn't really work too much off of that debut, but no. Nah, I mean, exciting. He's cl- he's clearly a pretty excellent player. So, yeah, I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Dad? I think well, what I think is not relevant. He is a good player, and um, <laughs> it's not like I've just discovered him. But he—he's. He, well, what's interesting? I, I wasn't really unsure as to what Silver had in mind for him, and I—I I, I wasn't. I was kind of a bit surprised that he came on to replace Harrison Reed. Yeah, um, that was strange. Um, but perhaps not really. And I really like what I saw. I, I actually think, um, you know, in comparison to um, Castagna, I think that Iwobi's got even more to grow. I thought it was a bit erratic. I think it was he was busy. He's a bit of a firecracker, actually, and he's a, he's a bit of a handful. And I quite like that. Um, it's almost a little bit, a bit chaotic. I, I quite like that going forward. And I mm-hmm. think he once it you know, if we, we were talking about Castagna not necessarily understanding, uh having a good understanding of the way we play, I think once this guy settles in, we are yet to, to see the best of this guy. I mean, I think I think he could be really, really interesting for us. What what is his um preferred position? Because I thought he um was um oh, he can play wide, like he can play and... defensive midfield. Central yeah, forward. I mean the the benefit of someone like Awobi joining is he he can play a, a central midfield role defensively. He can play in the sort of Pereira role where he's a bit of a linchpin, creating chances. He can play on the wing. I'd mm. say you could probably stick him up front as well and he could do a job. I think we've picked up a, a bit of a Swiss army knife in Alex Awobi. It's a, another Bobby Decker-Rover-Reed style player where you almost Same, want him it? on the bench every game where you can bring him on and just go, right, we... Because he came on at a point where it was nil-nil. There were 30-odd minutes to play, struggling to break them down. And you're right, he came on for Harrison Reed, and I was kind of surprised. I was thinking... Maybe you bring him on for Willian or Wilson and and have mm. him play out wide. But the the benefit of having someone like this is you bring off Reed, you can put him on and say, right, you go and basically sit up next to Pereira and play as an attacking player. And then if we score a goal, you can now sit back and play more like a central midfielder. And it's it's not like you can do with imagine if you had Pereira coming off the bench, you put him on as an attacking role, he's basically stuck there for the rest of the game in an attacking role. Yeah. So the the ability to be able to sort of change your style whilst having him on the gr- on the ground makes a big big difference, and I I, I really liked it. I mean, you know, he was a, a massive part of the goal. The ball gets played into him, and he then lays it off to Pereira, who plays it out to Willian, who puts the ball in for the goal. Um, you know, when Vinicius puts it away, Iwobi is actually only 
like maybe a meter or two away from him as well. So Iwobi could have easily picked up there. Um, he did have that turn and shoot shot over the bow. It was just sort of fraction off balance, but it's interesting. The next day, I was talking to a friend of mine who's an Everton fan and said the biggest issue that Everton fans had with Iwobi sometimes was he never never shot, and in that kind of situation that he had on the weekend where he blazed over the bar. It, when he was playing for Everton, he'd be looking for a man to lay that off to. So he he was sort of intimating and saying that seeing Iwobi taking a shot like that in just his first real appearance of Fulham is really positive because it looks like Silver's maybe given him a bit of a license to go for goal a bit more and be more attacking and more creative and, and giving him a bit of a license. So look, it's similarly to Castagna, and it's the reason I wanted to bring it up, is I, I thought these two on debut in what was a pretty tough game for for teams uh, for teams for players going forward in, in the case of Awobi but also a game where Castagna had to be very switched on and quite smart down the line to try and create space and also be ready and and waiting for those imminent loot and counterattacks that we saw a couple of times and I think they both performed really really well for a, for a first game for Fulham Point made. Yep. Thank yes. You. Yes. Yes. <laughs> cool. Um, guys, let's have a quick chat. We won't go into too much detail because uh, we're yet to see the highlights released yet. But the Fulham women's team on Sunday had a really good win against Saltine United. Uh, Saltine was sitting second in the league. Um, Fulham hadn't won a game away from home yet this season. Uh, a 4 1 victory, 4 0 up with three minutes to go, unfortunately conceded towards the end. But Goals there for Parsonson, Attaway, and uh, Georgia Heedsman with two uh, becomes Fulham women's top goal scorer so far this season. Uh, a quick look at the table sees Fulham currently sitting second in the league, just behind awesome. Dartford. Well, I say just behind Dartford, five points behind Dartford, but a really, really good start to the season for Fulham here. And um, a, a big bonus here as well as the next five games Fulham have, they play... Um, I think it's Sutton, Dulwich, Millwall, Dorking and Enfield. So uh, these are teams right down towards the bottom of the table who haven't got off to the best start of the season so far. Um, so there's a, there's a huge possibility here for Fulham to pick up um, five wins in the next five. The other benefit for us as well is four of those games are all home games. Um, mm. So um, playing down at Motspur Park. So to, to all the Fulham fans who live in the area, please do get down and support Fulham Women's over the next month or so. Um, four games back-to-back at home for Fulham and, um, you know, the potential to push forward and, and really challenge for that promotion spot. Dartford obviously having a really good start to the season, but definitely not out of touch uh, as of yet. And uh, if we keep up the former on at the moment where I think that's now 14 goals in the last three games for Fulham, it's a yeah, really, really crazy. positive start to the season. Uh, and like I said, we won't cover it in any depth today purely because we haven't actually been able to see the highlights. We're waiting for Fulham to upload those. Um, but when they do, um, hopefully later this week when we preview the Crystal Palace game, we'll be able to talk a little bit about the women's game and analyse it a little bit further. Um, any comment, though, guys, on, on that result there? Oh, 4-1. That's awesome. Like, at least being able to, like, put that many behind the net. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That. Or even into the net. Yeah, why not? Best if they I, go either either behind. <laughs> it no, is look, 11 uh, o'clock I'm, here. Um, look, I, I, I think we're the, the wheels are just turning here, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, 
getting behind this women's team, I think, as we all are. Um, we just need a bit more information. Obviously, being a long way away, it's uh, it's it's challenging. So um, uh, come on, Fulham Football Club, and get get those highlights up. Yeah, even better, record the ninety minutes and uh, let let us see that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll keep talking. We're talking with the um, Fulham Lilies, Fulham Supporters Trust as well. Um, to try and put a bit of pressure on Fulham to upload the full 90 minutes of these games so that people do have the opportunity to watch the full game and actually um, immerse themselves a little bit more with the Fulham women's team. It's it's obviously tough, like like you said, for us to follow and properly analyse the game when you watch a three-minute highlights package. It'd be great to be able to watch a full 90 minutes and, and really start to get behind these girls and, and really support them going forward as well. Um, moving on, guys, let's have a look quickly at the fantasy um dominic moved back into top spot with a, a decent week 48 points he's sitting on 330 um anyone over 300 at this stage of the season is doing very very well so um i'm, I'm sitting in about 30th spot i think at the moment so it's not looking wonderful for me but um yeah a really good start to the season and thanks for everyone who's been partaking in fantasy dad i know you are really all all in for it and really loving it this year. Yeah, I really am. I'm. I'm um, Did you forget you had your I, team? Is this I is know. this sarcasm? Because yeah. I like I, I actually can't <laughs> tell if it's sarcasm <laughs> or not. Because I was like, is that actually? Well, is that actually? Because I'm not. I've I I forgot that I had a team. I'll be honest. Well, I didn't forget that I had a team, but I do. I have forgotten what what its name is. I've forgotten what my name is. I don't. I, I Jack. Can you tell me what my name? Oh, uh, not is? right now. Not right now. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, have to I'll take it. it I'll take it away as prep. Yeah, I did say. Let's be honest, guys. You I guys aren't forget. getting in the top ten anytime soon. So, I think well, I, I was kind of fine. secretly hoping. I was sec- secretly hoping that uh, I'd I'd set up my team for the year, and I would just rack up points every week. Uh, on autopilot, but it, it hasn't really worked everyone. out that way. Yeah. I funny, also funny hope that. for the same Deus Ex Machina, but it, it would, <laughs> it's not to be further. We can't all want the same thing. <laughs> um, guys, a, a big milestone this weekend as well, something worth covering. Marcus Silva, it was his 100th game in charge of Fulham. Um, let's just quickly have a look at the stats. Um, 50 games won, 18 drawn, 32 lost. Goals for 190, goals against 128, a win ratio of 50% in total. Um, I mean, he's probably one of my favourite managers over the last few years. He's a very grumpy man, but we do love him <laughs> for it. Um, and, you know, the, the the style of football we play under Marco Silva in the Championship and then in the Premier League as well has been really enjoyable. And we, we've been very lucky over the last few years to have some really good managers not Scott Parker, but um, in terms of having players, managers like Yukanovich as well, who, you know, did did a really solid job and a, a really enjoyable job when we were watching those those that Fulham team. Um, Dad, your your thoughts on Silver's hundred games in charge of Fulham so far? I'm, I'm astonished that it's been a hundred games. It actually truly surprises me, but I, I suppose when you think about it. Um, I'm kind of more focused on how we get another 200 or 300 out of him, um, if we want yeah. to talk about that. But, yeah, look, no, I mean, great, great record. I, I just I, I just love 
what he's doing at the club and I love his passion. Don't mind his yellow cards. I don't really want him to be suspended, but I think that represents um, Marco's frustration and he's, and you know, the passionate guy that he is. And I think that's what gets the results. He actually cares. He, he, he gives, gives a shit. And uh, as we've said before, I just, Desperate to see the guy keep getting backed. Yeah, I don't necessarily know what his end game is. I know, I know, I know that um, he'll there is a shelf life on um, the season of silver, as in the season, as in, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, it's like it's like ten past eleven. Sam's very tired. Um, but <laughs> uh, no, he's. I, I don't. I don't know how much longer we have with um, young Marco Silva, but. He, uh, I, I've really, I've really loved everything, and uh, he's he's such a good example of um, you don't have bad players, you just have bad managers, honestly, because from what he's done with the squad that he's been given, and not even not even like that they were bad players or anything, but just how he's reimagined them, just what he has done with this team, he turned Fulham into a high pressing attacking team. Um, uh, it's, it's, he's been such a joy and, uh, it's, it's crazy to think he has, um, a 50% win rate. Um, yeah, that's really high, uh, but I, thoroughly deserved. I just desperately hope that we can hang on to him or that the planets somehow align that he sees a reason to stay, maybe because there are other great opportunities around for him, which is kind of difficult to believe but any which way that he he sees sees a, a reason to stay before we have a change of ownership of the club whenever that may be because i think can you just imagine the kind of owner who is completely hands off that just bankrolls this guy what could happen uh yeah that'd be amazing but one thing i want one thing i will say is i and i say i say this tentatively but I think when Marco Silva leaves, um, obviously I'll be sad to see him go, but I think I will be very, very, um, I'll, I'll feel a sense of like pride and happiness that we, it, it won't be the same as when other people left. I, I, I think he's a really special manager and, uh, yeah, yeah. Long may it continue. I don't. I don't fully understand your point of view on Silver Sam. It seems like you almost want him to go. No, um, I'm just saying when he does go and breaks my heart, I'll be. I'll learn to be okay with it because I can remember all the good times. And when he when he does leave because he gets pissed off with the cons too much, I won't be able to blame him. Yeah, look, I I I don't think good recovery. We're see two hundred games. I don't think we're going to see two hundred games from Marco Silva. I think realistically, um, you know come the end of the season he's got what we've played five he's maybe reached 140 games um but i i think if he hasn't signed a new contract by january i'd be very surprised if he actually decides to remain at fulham yeah. um and and look i i'm all for marco silver i think he's a really good manager and i, I also think it's a big case of in of not the devil as such but better the devil you know in that you just don't know what a manager is going to come in and do. You know, we looked at someone like Scott Parker and went, oh, yeah, this could work, and it didn't. 
You looked at Claudio Ranieri when he came in for a short period and went, yep, okay, he's won the Premier League. He must know what he's doing. And it doesn't work. And we've seen it in the past with Mark Hughes and, you know, Laurie Sanchez and, and all these guys going back years and years. And, you know, more often than not, it, it doesn't work, especially when you're a club like Fulham. I mean, even when you're big clubs, look at Man United who keep bringing in these top, top quality managers and have top top quality players and still can't get it to work so when you do find a manager who can consistently get results and a win ratio of 50 percent admittedly a, a big part of that is a really good championship season but we'd never won oh we'd only ever once won as many games in the premier league as marco silver managed with fulham and so yes maybe he's not going to be the manager who takes us to the champions league anytime soon but i would happily take 12, 13 wins a season from a manager like Marco Silva and, and sit on it for the next five, six years because I think that's a really good platform to build on and, and you do want some stability. And you don't want to be changing your manager every three years because players get bought for and by a manager. And mm. there's a, a lot of upheaval when someone like Marco Silva goes. I think, you know, he speaks Portuguese and we've got this massive Portuguese core at our club what happens to those guys um i think they're all a lot of them are there because of silver and so when when he leaves we're going to be in a really weird little spot where we've got this group of people who are there for a guy and he's gone um it, it I does think the other, other issue, up a lot of things which is is absolutely relevant is that i, I kind of feel that marco silver for our current dynamic which is code for ownership. Um, it, it's it's probably the best we could ever hope for. You, you're never going to get no, a Pochettino yeah. or a Pep or a you know top ten kind of world beating manager head for Fulham. Why? Because I think we 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 thought that the behaviour of the club in terms of how it directs its football um, and manages the, it, itself and how it what its transfer policy is and how much support it provides to its uh, managers. We, we thought that was a little bit hard to pick, but I think now the form's pretty well established. I think we know exactly what happens. And, and everyone looking in is, I, I know Jack's mentioned before, it's a Premier League, mid-table Premier League spot, sure, there'll be people lining up to do the job. No doubt about that. It's not like we wouldn't get one. But you're not going to get – it's very hard to get someone better than Marco Silva right now, yeah. in my view. It would need a change of management or a total change of policy. And I thought about this, and I thought, yeah, everyone's complaining about Tony Khan and how he runs the role of director of football. But come on, think about it. You know, Shahid having Tony Khan as the director of football gives him total control over the, the keys. If he had some guy hired in there as director of football wanting to do a job and, and actually doing it properly, he wouldn't have the control over the purse strings. So that's never, ever, ever going to change, and it's very deliberate. And so, you know, that is the dynamic we have. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right as well, like, the position that we're currently in with the ownership, with uh, our standing in football in terms of where we sit in the league and the squad that we've got, 
we we're never going to realistically bring in a Pochettino or or those really high end guys. I mean, it's it's going to be Graham Potter. Let's be perfectly honest. He's our next manager. Um, Please, no. And uh, well, I, I think. I think it's just something we have to sort of accept is that it's it's either Graham Potter or um, you you nab someone from a mid table Spanish club or someone from uh, the the Belgian league or something like that. You know, you you pick up someone who is probably unproven going forward. And um, like I said, it's better the devil you know. Sometimes I'd rather see Silver continue, and even if we're not on a hugely upward trajectory under Silver, at least. He knows how to deal with the cons. There's not going to be major fallouts and things like that. So I'd much rather have him continue as the manager for for another hundred games, even two hundred games on top of that as well, and and see what we can build out of that. Can I ask You're why right, Dad though. wouldn't want a Graham Potter? Um, too defensive, not a, not in, not not attacking, and not passionate enough for me. He's a geography teacher, you know. Nothing against geography teachers, but I, I don't really want that for a manager. Um, but what's interesting is you're right, Jack, in that you really roll the dice because it's, it's not like they're, we, we, you might not be successful, but we, we've had some reasonable names in the last 10 years actually have a crack at Fulham and it hasn't worked. And um, it, it is interesting. Look at Ange Postacoglu at Spurs. I mean, he's not, um, he, he's not a, massive name he's a he's a nothing in the premier league um uh, many would argue that he's been doing it for a long long time it's not he's not inexperienced but who would ever have thought that he would have that effect on tottenham who were not in good shape not in good shape at all well i think the plague of the premier like you re- you've raised a very interesting point though because the plague of the premier league is that only certain managers would ever want to be um Oh, so certain clubs would only want to attach themselves to certain managers. And for, for a lot of time, that actually works in their detriment. So for I think Graham Potter is actually a good example in this case. Graham Potter is really good at building squads if he's provided a lot of time to actually work within those frameworks. All he needs is time, and then he can come up with the goods. He has proven that. Um, with somebody like Ant Postacoglu, Tottenham wouldn't have necessarily ever like considered him if he didn't essentially uh, win a treble with Celtic, but he he's had a really weird, interesting career in terms of like how he has progressed through different leagues. Um, whereas most managers would just start in the Premier League, he's gone all over the shop. Um, but and yeah, it does kind of go into like if you're only trying to get like those big money managers that can only work. Uh, yeah, I I know what I'm trying I'm, to say. I'm going to cut in here anyway, though, guys, because we're talking about Ange Postecoglou, and we don't really need to be. Um, yeah, fair enough. Let's 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 keep it moving anyway, and and just sort of to wrap up. I'm very glad we've had Marco Silva for a hundred games, and I hope we see him for a lot longer. Um, and fingers crossed, the Khans actually pull their finger out and give him the reins rather than uh, controlling it themselves. And um, Marco decides to stay for a bit longer. Um, a quick check on our predictions so far in September. Sammy, you've hit the nail on the head here, predicting the 1-0 win to Luton. We all predicted wins, but you got it bang on. And um, just to look at the prediction league so far this season, Sammy with 
four is leading the way. Uh, Dan and I both on two, just showing how much we know about football, the fact that we have literally picked the right result twice so far out of five games. So good on us. Mm-hmm. Keep it up, And I guys. always get cut off. It's all right. You're, you're doing well, Sammy. Um, let's have a look now at some of the top tweets from uh, the game. Uh, first one here. These two both focus uh, on Vinny. Uh, I'll read out the first one from James Bell here at bbell02 on Twitter. How Vinny hasn't played before today is crazy. Hit some good form at the end of last season. Uh, so glad for the guy. And one here from FFC underscore IBZ Ibs on Twitter. Uh, FFC fans went through a summer of turmoil losing our main man. Maybe it's time Vinny gets a run of three or four months where he's leading. He's constantly having to fight for his place, but showed up time and time again. Guys, we sort of touched on it before, but um, Dad, based on what Ibs has said there, do you agree that it's time to give Vinny a crack for a, an extended period of time? Well, Jimenez can't really complain that he hasn't been given a go. As much as I think he needs a little bit more time and uh, your flavour of luck, um, he just needs to score a few goals. But, hey, we need someone to be actually scoring goals. So if Vinny can do it, he gets the shirt. Do you know what, do you know what I reckon exactly what's going to happen in the Crystal Palace game? I reckon Vinicius is going to start. Then Jimenez is going to come off the bench, and I reckon Jimenez <laughs> is probably going to score around like seventy third minute because that and like uh, uh, Vinicius will have like a bunch of chances, and we'll all kind of like grit our teeth, and yet Curse he won't necessarily come it. with the goods. God bless him. I like I I want him to score within the, the first twenty minutes, but I think exactly what's going to happen is I think both of them also just suffer from a bit of the um they they're really good off the bench. I've always liked them both off of the bench. Um, I remember preseason Jimenez, uh, has he, did he score two goals off the bench? He definitely scored one. Um, one. I think it was one. Yeah. And, um, and, and he Vinicius. scored for Mexico off the bench as well in the international break. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, he, I feel that like he, both him and Vinicius are both players who play with a lot of energy. So they massively benefit um from having fresh legs when everybody else has played at 70 minutes so i am almost convinced that um Eminez is probably going to score uh in the crystal palace game after coming up from the bench that would be quite funny yep oh look I, I think it's it's actually kind of put ourselves in this nice position where either one of them starts the other person coming off the bench is quite a good option to have coming off the bench now yeah um mm. and you know i think last season we we did have vinny but he wasn't wasn't really didn't feel like this Vinny at least, um, and when he came off the bench, it was sort of like, oh, he's not quite like it, it. Sort of feels a bit useless when he comes off the bench. But now you look at either Jimenez or Vinny coming off the bench, and you kind of go, yeah, okay, I could I could see them actually contributing and, and doing something here, and maybe nicking a goal that we need. But to I be just fair, want to get started, <laughs> the the world has changed for Vinny because I think yeah, Metro for sure. cast a long shadow. And I think Vinny now kind of believes, well, hang on a second. I think he's probably a bit frustrated that he's not being given the keys because he's actually got more runs on the board than Jimenez. Jimenez has been given a go. And I think he, I actually think Vinny is starting to believe that he's the man. Honestly, I don't think Vinicius gets that type of frustration. He seems so weirdly happy-go-lucky 
And everything mm. that I've ever seen from him in big games just tells me that he is a, a, an unfair amount of like composure in a very Brazilian-esque way. Just nothing seems to bother him that much. So I think he's just going, hey, I'm playing this week. That, that seems to be Vinicius's vibe. And then he gets really excited when he scores. God bless him. Okay, then. Um, <laughs> next one from FFC underscore Brandon, Kenny Tete Baby on Twitter. That Iwobi Vinny double sub was genius. Oh, and yeah. we, we sort of touched on it a little bit before, but it, it's something that maybe two years ago we really cursed Silver on his ability to make changes. I think he, he improved slightly last season, but there were often times where that substitution wouldn't be made until maybe the 80th minute when it's all a little bit too late. Mm. It was lovely seeing Silva actually making a substitution in the 60th minute and going, we we need an injection here of, of yeah, something. Yeah. And bringing on Iwobi and Vinny really did make a massive difference. There was a huge change in energy. Um, Iwobi was finding spaces. Vinny was getting himself around and getting into good spots and good zones. Um yeah, I mean, not much more to say to that, but I totally agree. It, it really did change the game, that double substitution. And I, I'm I'm just thankful that we now see those substitutions happening a lot earlier in the game. It, it makes a big difference. Uh, one here from uh, underscore Urbusani. Guessing that's how it's pronounced. Christian on Twitter here. Tim Ream, he didn't really put a fung wrong, did he? He's 36 next month, by the way. And Crazy. Sammy, you touched on it before. Tim Ream, uh, I mean, he continues to amaze. He didn't look 36. There was one point actually where he got very slightly outpaced towards the end of the game, I think. Um, but it, he really did look the goods. And uh, I think we're just lucky to have someone like Ream and Diop be able to start that game. And knowing now that we have Bassi and Tosin sitting on the bench, although apparently Tosin is out injured for six weeks. It is good, though, knowing that Tim Ream can do it in the Premier League and and last season backs it up and he continues to do so this year as well. I love him. I love him so much. Like I there's he's probably one of maybe like five players that I probably wouldn't be able to say anything bad about them ever. Love Tim Ream. Long 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 may it rain. Dad, anything to add to that? Uh, it's 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 never gonna be more Colourful than that. Um, no, I thought I thought he had a, as Sam mentioned earlier, I thought he had a really, really good game. And uh, um, I, I would actually add that I thought it was very exciting to see Bassie coming on um, pretty late in the day and again being used in a slightly unusual position. But um, yeah, unfortunate that Tosin's out of the picture for a while. And um, but we're looking. Pretty comfortable at the back, aren't we? Albeit that we there were a couple of little mistakes, but I, I I'm very happy with Riemann and Diop at the back. Yeah, look, I I agree. I mean, it, I just think it's nice being able to see someone like uh, Bassi come off the bench and really shore up a defence. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, Tosin is is a good option coming off the bench, but Bassi just seems to add a lot more physicality when he comes on, and I think when you need to hold on to a victory late in a game, seeing someone like that come off the bench just fills you with a little bit more confidence that we're actually close it out really nicely. Um, one here from Squawker Live, uh, Japolinia for Fulham versus Luton. 
most duels won with 11, most possession won with eight, most tackles with six, most aerial duels won with four. Welcome back. And it did feel a little bit like that. You know, we we weren't sure if he's going to be staying come the end of the transfer window. He obviously missed the Man City game just after that as well. Went on the international break, came back, signed a new contract. It's been a bit of a whirlwind for Polina. And so you could understand if, if he maybe wasn't quite himself. But I think I messaged... I messaged dad after about 15 minutes. It might not have been dad actually, because you were out, but um, I I remember looking at him and going, geez, Polina, it's definitely the same Polina. We haven't lost our man here and he's, he's definitely not affected by it, but because I think 15 minutes in, he'd made about three or four really hard tackles and just looked so up for it. And and I really, I was kind of hoping he'd score a goal because I, I, have a feeling he was so up for it. He'd actually be tapping the badge as well after scoring and just be so... And oh, the stadium would have absolutely erupted mm. as well, I reckon, mm. if he'd scored. Um, and it was really good to see that we didn't have people booing him because there was a bit of chat on Twitter, which I, I'm not a huge fan of because a lot of what we heard was here saying we don't know the full story behind it all. And it was great to hear a full stadium of Fulham fans actually get behind him every time he, he did something well and we should we should just really savor at least these next four months and hopefully the rest of the season because uh, there's not that many times that you have someone like Jaapolinia playing for your club. I am not sure if you guys saw, but um he did a he did a very brief interview. I'm not sure if it was for like Instagram or something like that where he actually got point blank asked about the Bayern situation. Oh, God bless me. Dealt with it with so much class. He was like. He literally, he literally said, um, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of, look, I'm not going to lie. I, it was, it definitely was something that happened. Um, I, I have ambition. I want to like play for like the big clubs, but right now I could not be more committed to Fulham. The second that it didn't go through, I was like, okay, my focus is here. And I just love the man. I just, I just love everything about he's, he's a, he's a really classy bloke in terms of just like, just genuine integrity um and yeah he's he, i mean he's just mega professional isn't he he just <laughs> literally just well, switches back yeah you're right you're right I, and look, to be fair we we did all call this and we weren't the only ones but we did call this i don't think any of us doubted we mm. I, I i guess we were somewhat anxious that it might not work given that it was pretty emotional but i that's got to go down as one of his, you know, top five games in a Fulham shirt, I would have thought. I thought he was incredible. His tackles were absolutely spot on. He was so physical and he he had a very steely glint in his eye. Like he had a point to prove. And I loved the fact that you, 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 you could almost hear a small group of supporters, I don't know where it was, probably the hammy end, who were desperate to get that. Uh, Polina chant off the ground mm. to mm. to really get the crowd behind him, and it it actually worked because, you know, I, I heard that chant a number of times throughout the day, probably more than you'd normally hear it. So I think everyone was very conscious of getting behind him and communicating to him that we were all behind him, and it was really good to see. I love him so much. I love him so much. <laughs> um. Let's have a look at the next one here. Um, one from uh, J.R. Vide, V-A-I-D-E, on Twitter. 
Um, Issa Diop made more passes, 153, than the entire Luton team. Uh, as I mentioned before, yeah, pretty crazy stat. Um, and l- like we said, it just shows the dominance that Fulham had. And, and like you said, Sammy, it just really highlights how good a game Diop and Reem both had at the, at the back. Mm. Uh, and a final one to finish here as well. This one's from um, Fulham in Japan at Fulham underscore Japan on Twitter. Um, a, a, a fan who's in the same time zone as us and understands what it's like following from overseas. Um, I did see that he managed to get over there for the game, though, wearing his uh, Junichi Inamoto top, which I just love and is Respect. quite fitting as well as it's actually Inamoto's 44th birthday today. Happy birthday, Junichi. Oh, um, bless. And uh, a quote from him here just saying, was great to be back at the cottage. And uh, it, it's it's actually something, you know, I've randomly been thinking about it recently, just the last few days or few weeks even, how when it's been such a long time since we've been back to Craven Cottage and how great it is for international fans of Fulham who get to go over to London, get to actually take in a game. And, and you know, these are clubs that we stay up all night for and um, you follow from afar and, and put your life into it and don't really get to enjoy it as much as everyone who gets to be there week in, week out. So um, it, it just felt really nice being able to see someone else who's in the same boat as us um, who's so active on Twitter as well, being able to really enjoy being over there and and um, a really nice photo that he posted standing in the riverside looking out over Craven Cottage. I just thought that was a, a really nice tweet to end on after. Um, and, nice. and being able to see a win as well. It's a shame mm. it wasn't the more exciting win, but a win nonetheless because the last game I went to was definitely not a win. Um, so... Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta cross your fingers that you get over there and uh, manage to line it up with a game, and that game is actually a win too. So, um, yeah, a little one to finish out there. That's just making us all miss Fulham as overseas fans. But um, can we get Squarespace guys, to pay for it? Yeah, we really do need well, a sponsor, don't we? We need a very rich sponsor who can uh, fund our three thousand dollar plane tickets across. Look, if you're a wealthy person listening, um, <laughs> we will take your money. <laughs> genuine begging sam but i'm okay with it if someone does do it i'm totally okay with it um but look it's it's um yeah it's one of those things we uh you know firstly is trying to get flights for four people across to london because let's be honest i don't think i'm going to be able to skip away from uh, my wife and children for a week to go and watch fulham um but yeah one day we'll get there for sure hopefully hopefully sooner rather than later that's, that's, so, that's for guys, the Patreon. Yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, we really will need a Patreon. And thanks to Ash following along on the live stream, uh, who says, I'll put in a tenner. So we just need well, another... Someone, uh, someone has to be the cornerstone of the crowd, uh, the GoFundMe, Ash. Thank you very much. Just, just need another 500 people who are willing to do the same thing, and we <laughs> will be about halfway there. Um, we'll get to Singapore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> have to walk the rest of the way. At least it's all land based. You know, yeah, I, lo- I love the idea of we just get stuck in Singapore halfway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Guys, oh, let's God. um let's finish up there though. It's um been good to chat. We've got through a lot today as well. Um we'll be catching up again on Thursday to preview the Crystal Palace game and we'll also go into a bit more depth uh, after we've been able to watch the highlights of the uh, women's game against Salt Dean as well. So we'll be covering that on Thursday. But um, Sammy, thanks for joining us tonight. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super wrecked, so I'm apologizing if anything was incoherent. But you know what? You got me. And that's um isn't that enough sometimes, you know? That's 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 the main thing. Uh, sometimes good stuff. sometimes yes. it's enough. Sometimes. Thanks, Sammy. And uh Dad, thank you as well for joining us tonight. Uh, my pleasure. I've got one idea for fundraising, and maybe that Metro Swear Jar can be the the start of the uh, the um, the Back to Craven Cottage Fund. Well, I think or Sam's up to about dollars so far. <laughs> or Squarespace. Or Grammarly. Or Mubi. Who else is there? Who else is there? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy with anything. Whatever we can get, let's do it. Pizza Hut. Um, why not? <laughs> sure. Why not? So, guys, thank you again, and until next time, come on, you whites. Hold up. 